Happy Resurrection Day once again, everybody. Thanks so much for being a part of our service. The Lord has a very special word in store for you. And let me tell you, this will not be your typical Resurrection Day message. So stay tuned. You want to watch it all the way to the end because the Lord does have a word in store for you today. Amen. Well, uh, we're going to get right back into the book of Psalms, Psalm 91. The Lord has given me a commission to preach this word from the book of Psalms, Psalm 91, and we're going to do it until we reach the very end of it because the Lord does have a word for you in season right here, and we don't want to miss not one part of it. Before we get started, we're going to have a word of prayer, and we're going to blow our shofar. Hallelujah. So be ready for that. So let's go ahead and pray first. Heavenly Father, we thank you so very much in the mighty name of Jesus for this moment, this time that you've given us to gather around your word. Lord, I pray that you would speak to us expressly by your spirit, that you would lead us into all truth and that you would show us things to come. Holy Spirit, we acknowledge you. You are the, the, you are the divine teacher. Teach us, teach us. We hunger for a word from you. We hunger for a message from heaven. Have your way in us. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Well, are you ready for the sounding of the shofar? All right. Well, here we go. Let me put this down. Hold on. Amen, amen to God in the highest. I just love hearing that so far. All right, well, as we have been doing, we're going to go ahead and read Psalm 91 once again, verses 1 through 16, the entire psalm, and then we'll go back and talk about it. Verse number 1 says, He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress. My God in him will I trust. Surely he shall deliver thee from the snare of the fowler and from the noisome pestilence. He shall cover thee with his feathers and under his wings shalt thou trust. His truth shall be thy shield and buckler. Thou shalt not be afraid for the terror by night, nor for the arrow that flieth by day nor for the pestilence that walketh in darkness, nor for the destruction that waits at noonday. A thousand shall fall at thy side, and ten thousand at thy right hand, but it shall not come nigh thee. Only with thine eyes shalt thou behold and see the reward of the wicked, because thou hast made the Lord, which is my refuge, even the most high thy habitation. There shall no evil befall thee, Neither shall any plague come nigh thy dwelling. For he shall give his angels charge over thee to keep thee in all thy ways. They shall bear thee up in their hands, lest thou dash thy foot against a stone. Thou shalt tread upon the lion and adder. The young lion and dragon shalt thou trample under feet. Because he hath set his love upon me, therefore will I deliver him. I will set him on high because he have known my name. He shall call upon me and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. With long life will I satisfy him and show him my salvation. Glory to God in the highest. We're going to have a great time in the word of God today. I am sure glad that you're here. All right, today we're going to be speaking from the subject of why you tripping? <laughs> why you tripping? And uh, you're going to learn a lot about that today. Uh, it's going to be great, so stick around. All right, remember for the last few weeks, we've been talking about really the ministry of angels. <clears throat> Excuse me, the ministry of angels, uh, God's bodyguards. We've been talking about that. So this would actually be part four of bodyguards, and we're, of course, still in the series of God's divine uh, protection plan. So 
If you haven't heard the other parts, go back and do it because it will give you proper context uh, with today's message. So Hebrews 4 verses 1 and 2, I want to revisit that uh, at least at least for now, every time that we meet. Hebrews 4 verse 1 says, let us therefore fear, at least a promise being left us of entering into his rest, any of you should seem to come short of it. For unto us was the gospel preached as well as unto them. But the word preached did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. In them that heard it. So we're going to have to mix the word of God with faith. Again, we can't. Uh, please do not leave God's word on the, on the shelf in the China cabinet of life and say, oh, that was a pretty word. Oh, that made me feel good. But you never use it. No, we're going to have to use the word that God is sending to us. He's sending you a message today. He's sending you a word today. And that word must be mixed with faith. And you're going to have to act out and walk out of that word in order to receive the promises of it. All right. So we want you to enter into God's promises that he has for your life. Glory to God. All right. Let's go back now to Psalm 91 verses 9 and 10 to get context and then we'll walk on further today. So verse 9 says, because thou hast made the Lord, which is my refuge, even the most high, thy habitation. There shall no evil befall thee, neither shall any plague come nigh thy dwelling. Again, verse number 11 and 12, verses 11 and 12, talk about the ministry of angels, the ministry of angels. So we'll continue with that on our journey today. Verse 11 says again, for he shall give his angels charge over thee to keep thee in all thy ways. They shall bear thee up in their hands, lest thou dash thy foot against a stone. Now, notice again in verse number 11, it says, For he shall give his angels charge over thee to keep thee in all thy ways. We defined uh, the word angels and keep, and we did a lot last week. But I just want to remind you that the word angels there means messengers. It means representatives, messengers, God's messengers, God's representatives. They can be uh, from a heavenly origin, right? They can be heavenly angels, and there can also be earthly angels. There can be invisible angels and also visible angels. We talked about that, and uh, for more on that, go back to hear last week's message. But let me, what we're going to do now is begin to, once again, identify uh, who the angels are. So let's identify these angels. And, um, and we'll also identify the role that they will play in our lives. And we'll go on a little bit further. The first thing I want you to know that God's angels are one ordained and they are commanded. They're ordered to guard you and to watch over you. All right. So remember those two words. They are ordered. They're commanded. They are ordained to guard and watch over you. All right. And secondly, we'll really, really be looking at this today. Secondly, uh, they are entrusted with a word of elevation, with a word that will uplift you, with a word that will hold you up. So please remember that. Again, angels are messengers. They are representatives. Can you say that? Messengers, representatives. They are called and ordained of God, commanded to house or to bring forth a word from God to you, all right? So when we use the word messengers today, I'm talking about angels. When I use the word representatives, we're talking about angels because this is the definition, the true definition of angels. Now, there are angels of heavenly origin that come from the throne of God, just like uh, the angel that God sent uh, when Daniel prayed, right? The angel came with a word. He told Daniel, hey, Daniel, since the moment you began to pray, I was sent with a word for you. I was sent with your answer, but I was withstood by the prince of the power, or by the uh, prince of Persia, right? He was withstood. That angel came from a heavenly origin, came from the throne of God with a message for Daniel. Angels are messengers. But as we said on last week, 
angels can be of a heavenly origin or a or an earthly or natural origin because God can use people as well to be angels to be a type of angel or a type of messenger or a representative okay so i want to broaden our definition of the word angel because unless you broaden it you're going to miss out on um on many things that god has for you okay now remember even jesus identified church leadership the pastors of the church as angels there and he did that in revelation the second chapter let's look at that for a moment and you'll find that in revelation the second chapter going into the third chapter notice how the lord jesus referred to church leadership here and it's written in red in my bible just like i'm sure it is in yours it says write these things the lord jesus saying here to john write these rather write this letter to the angel write this letter to the angel of the church in Ephesus. You, you, you hear that? So he says, he's not talking about writing the letter to the winged one that has come from my throne. No, he's talking about a natural human being whom God has filled and ordained, commanded and uh, divinely positioned to bring a message to the church. That's why he's telling, uh, telling John, write this to the messenger of the house, to the representative of the house, to the angel of the house. Got it? Amen. And God will use, and, and he will use, uh, he will use supernatural beings, of course, the angels the, of heavenly origin, uh, and there are many applications for them, especially in unknown danger, dangerous situations. And he will also use angels or representatives of a natural origin or an earthly origin to bring you chiefly to bring you a word in season. And that word will lift you up. That word will encourage you. That word will equip you. That word will elevate you. As a matter of fact, in times of distress, you'll often hear the word of that earthly or natural angel, the word of your pastor, the word of church leadership, maybe even uh, possibly the words of your parents, uh, the word that God has entrusted that has given them authority over you authority over you and they will come with a word and you will hear in time of times of distress you'll often hear the, those words coming back uh, to you strengthening you and equipping you in that time of need all right so again let's broaden our definition of the word angel as a matter of fact in revelation of chapter 2 uh, the word angel there uh, is from the Greek word ang angelos, angelos, and it means a messenger. So still in the New Testament, it means a messenger. It means envoy, one who is sent, uh, an angel, of course, a messenger from God. All right, so I pray we got that. So we're going to have to go on a little bit further today and as you understand these things. Now, let's finally get down to verse number 12. Finally get down to verse number 12. Uh, verse 12 says, uh, again, Psalm 91, verse number 12. It says, they shall bear thee up. So who are the they? The they are the angels, the messengers, the representatives, the envoys, those that have been sent from the presence of God. It says, they shall bear thee up in their hands, lest thou dash thy foot against a stone. So they will bring you an elevating word. Uh, the word um, to bear thee up, the phrase to bear thee up means to hold up, to lift up, to hold up, to lift up. Now, it says they shall bear thee up in their hands. The word hands denotes power or the power or the ability to do. All right. So what does what power does an angel have? What power does a messenger have? The power or the strength that they have is always in the message that they carry. A messenger is powerless without a message. Just like if you saw a, a postman ride around down the road in his official uh, post, postal truck, postal vehicle, but if he didn't have any letters in it, if he didn't have any mail, any messages in it, then he's just a guy driving around, you know, kind of kind of weird stopping at everybody's mailbox with nothing to put in it. He's just a guy just driving around without a message. 
All right, so what makes a messenger a a messenger is the fact that he has a message. He has a word. A postman uh, is delivering a word that has come from someone else. He's delivering that message from someone else, and he's taking that and giving it to you. A postman is is the one who who's a who's a mediator, so to speak. He stands between you and the one uh, that sent the message. So that's what we are, even in the earth today. Hear me, that's what we are, and that's what we do. Because not only does God talk to church leadership uh, about bringing forth a message, He also talks to the body of Christ. There'll be many times on your job and in your home that God will impress upon you to deliver someone a word, to give them a word in season. And when that time comes up, we're going to have to be bold and courageous and speak what God is saying at that moment. Hallelujah to the Lamb of God. Now, you know that you are the quote-unquote angel or messenger or representative in that moment because no matter what you do, you can't get away from it. You can't, you just know, you try to, you may try to run the bathroom and, and maybe talk with God. Oh Lord, you really want me to say this? You, you really want me to say that? But if you, but if he has commanded it, then that means that you are bound to do it. Hallelujah. And through his loving kindness and tender mercy, he's not going to let you out of that thing. Just like Jonah, he's not going to let him out of that either. He did let him out of that because he knows, listen, embarrassment may, the pain of it, The pain of embarrassment may last just for a moment, but regret will last for a lifetime. And out of his loving kindness and tender mercy, he won't let you end up in regret for later. So he'll stay on you. He'll stay on you until you deliver the message. You're going to have to be a good postal person now. Hallelujah. So you might as well get ready for it. Glory to God. Uh, Because God's going to give you a message for this generation. That message may go out, like I said, to your coworkers. That message may go out on your Facebook and your social media that message, the message that God has uh, for someone else that he wants to send through you may go out in a phone call. I don't know. It may go out, go out uh, from you in a text message, but the Lord will send messages. He will send messages out through the body of Christ to this world that is hopeless, this world that is desperate. Hallelujah. And you'll know that it's him because, again, you won't be able to turn to the left or to the right. You'll have to deliver that message. And that message may be something, what we would say, may be relatively simple. That message may be Jesus loves you. That message may be turn to God. That message may be he is your hope and he is your salvation. Hallelujah. A word fitly spoken, timely spoken, is just like apples of gold. You don't know what the right word at the right time will do for someone in terrible desperation. Hallelujah. We're praying that God will, and you need to pray that God will open up your heart and give you boldness for those that are around you that are desperate to hear a word from him. You don't know what people are going through in this hour. Hallelujah. How they are, uh, they are crying. They are, they are suicidal. They are, they are fearful. And one word from God can change their life forever. My God, where would you have been today if someone didn't give you that word in season? So we're going to pray that the Lord use us as his envoys, his his envoys, his representatives, his messengers, his angels to this world today. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Now, again, the Lord can use and he will use invisible angels of heavenly origin to do specific things in the earth. And he will also use uh, his uh, natural angels, that's us, of earthly origin to do uh, things in other people's lives as well. Let me take this moment and give you some examples of uh, angels, the ones with wings, uh, so to speak, that God has used and show you how they are able to elevate people, how they're able to elevate or lift up people. Because again, in verse number 12, let's go back there just for a second. In verse number 12, it says, 
They shall bear thee up in their hands, lest thou dash thy foot against the stone. So let's talk about the bearing up for a moment. Let's talk about the lifting up or the elevating for a moment here. Let me give you these examples of how this is accomplished because it's, it's actually all through the word of God. So let's go first of all to 1 Kings, the 19th chapter, 1 Kings 19. And we, we will see a man called Elijah there after his encounter with Jezebel. We'll see how he reacts there. Let's go ahead and read uh, verse 4, 5, 6, 7, and 8. I want you to see how uh, this encounter with an angel changed his life. And so verse number 4 says, Then he went on alone into the wilderness, traveling all day. He sat down under a solitary uh, broom tree and prayed that he might die. He's asking God, God, let me die. Look at verse, then it goes on to say, uh, he says, I have had enough, Lord, he said, take my life, for I am no better than my ancestors who have already died. Notice, notice, I want you to notice his emotional state at this moment. Notice his emotional state. He is suicidal. He is suicidal. So is he in need of uplifting? Oh, yes, right away. Yes, he is. Look at verse number um, five. Then he lay down and slept under the broom tree. But as he was but as he was sleeping, an angel touched him and told him, get up and eat. He looked around and there beside his head was some bread baked on hot stones and a jar of water. So he ate and drank and lay down again. Then the angel of the Lord came again and touched him and said, get up and eat some and eat some more for the journey ahead will be much will be too much for you. So he got up and ate and drank and the food gave him enough strength to travel 40 days and 40 nights to Mount Sinai, the mountain of God. Isn't that powerful? So after his encounter with this messenger, this representative, what happened? First of all, he was suicidal, but now he's back on track seeking after God. He uh, was fed with some heavenly food, possibly some manna, I believe, this heavenly bread. And it filled him and it, it strengthened him so that he could basically fast because he went in the strength of that one meal, 40 days and 40 nights. That's some super food if you ever want to hear about that. I'm telling you, so 40 days and 40 nights, he goes, and now he's seeking after God. And the Lord gives him a word directly, glory to God, after that encounter with an angel. Another uh, case that I just love is also in Judges, Judges the sixth chapter. This is when uh, Gideon is hiding from the Midianites. He is afraid, along with all uh, the rest of Israel, too. And the Bible says he's hiding there in the wine press. Uh, I believe he's threshing wheat. And an angel shows up and says to him, hey, mighty man of valor. Now, Gideon is afraid. He's cowardly. He's wimpy. But after the encounter with the angel, this wimpy man becomes a warrior. <laughs> Isn't that powerful? I love that one. And how about Genesis, the 32nd chapter, as Jacob wrestled with the angel all night long? The name Jacob meant trickster or supplanter, I believe. And after his encounter with the angel, God changed his name from Jacob to Israel. And Israel means God prevails. Yeah, God won that night. Glory to God. He changed his whole nature. He changed his entire character. His mindset, his mindset was changed forever. His nature changed forever. He was on a different course and trajectory after this encounter with the angel. Then, of course, we could always look, uh, we could always look at Luke, the first chapter with Mary, <laughs> the mother of Jesus. My God, she had no clue that the angel, she had no clue of, uh, of how the angel Gabriel would bring her word or, and the word that he said, my God, it changed her world, changed her world and flipped it upside down, right? 
Sure it did. Uh, the angel told her, you're going to have a baby. Yeah, and I know you've not been with the man, but the Holy Ghost is going to come upon you. Wow, talking about blowing your mind. Her entire life was changed. The trajectory of her life, the course of her life was altered uh, by that encounter with the angel because every one of these angels had a message from God. Amen. They had a message from God to give. Now, those are some examples of angels with heavenly origins. Let me give you just a couple of examples of um, angels with an earthly origin, how God is going to use us. In Acts, the 18th chapter, we see there was a man named Apollos there, Apollos, and he was preaching the word, but he only preached John's baptism. And John's baptism simply said, you got to repent because one is going to come that is greater than I. The Messiah is going to come and uh, he is going to save us. He's going to deliver us. So Apollos was preaching, but he only preached John's baptism until Aquila and Priscilla came to him, a husband and a wife team. And let's look and see what happened here. Let's go to Acts 18 chapter verse 26. Uh, the Amplified Bible, and it says, and he began to speak boldly and uh, fearlessly in the synagogue. But when Priscilla and Aquila heard him, they took him aside and explained more accurately to him the way of God and the full story of the life of Christ. Apollos didn't know it all. He's only, he was only preaching what he knew, but they took him aside and told him about the full ministry of Jesus. And guess what happens? A couple of verses down in verse 28, it says, he refuted the Jews with powerful arguments in public debate. Using the scriptures, he explained to them that Jesus was the Messiah. So he became even more powerful. He was elevated. He was uplifted. He went to another level after he received a word from, uh, from uh, Priscilla and Aquila. Now, these two individuals were not apostles. They were not pastors. They may have been, uh, may have been deacons uh, within the church, but I'm saying to you that they did not have the title that he had. That he has. Now, this is why a lot of people, a lot of ministers will get choked up, so to speak, because they think that, you know, I have arrived at a certain place. And unless you are my peer or higher than I, then you can't speak to me. Let me tell you how foolish those words really are. God can use anybody to give you a word. And don't get yourself tripped up too if you think that unless you have a title, you don't have a word. If you're not a prophet, you're not a this, you're not a that. God can use anybody, anybody to give you a word. So please don't have a chokehold looking at somebody's title or their position thinking that God can only use them this way or that way if they have some paper. Are you hearing what I'm saying to you? God can use anybody. Apollos would have messed out, would have missed out on this had he not heard the words of Priscilla and Aquila, that uh, husband and wife team. Now, of course, we could also look at Acts, the third chapter. Won't really get it. Acts, the third chapter, there was Peter and John. They were going into the temple and they saw a uh, poor beggarly man there lying at the gate called Beautiful. And the Bible says that uh, he, that they lifted him up quite physically, or rather quite literally. He was, he was lame. He could not walk. But they said, silver and gold have we none, but such as we have, we give to you. In the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. He showed them, uh, uh, that is Peter and John showed this, um, this lame man a better way. They gave him a message. They gave him a message. He believed the message, and his life was elevated. Glory to God. Now, there are so many more examples that I can give you, my Lord, about that. Now, let me tell you also about there are some in Scripture that did not heed the word, did not obey the voice of the, of the angelic, and they didn't do too well. Uh, John the Baptist's father, uh, Zechariah, when the angel Gabriel came to him and said, hey, your wife is going to have a baby. You're going to have a son. You're, you're going to have a son. 
And uh, he doubted him, and and for the entire pregnancy of his wife, he was struck dumb, or he was mute. He could not speak until John the Baptist was born. All right? He did not endure that encounter too well. He didn't obey the message that was sent. He met the message not with faith, but with doubt. And uh, he was struck dumb or, or mute. And now, of course, we know one of the most famous ones was Lot's wife. You remember that? She did not heed to the voice of the angels, did not heed to the voice of the message, and uh, eventually was turned into a pillar of salt. So God does have a way to get a message to you that will elevate you, but you're going to have to be obedient and hear what the message says and not get tied up with the package. Uh, God bless the male person. I don't care if it's a man. I don't care if it's a woman. I don't care if they're driving in a pink truck with uh, green rims. As long as they got the message, as long as my check is there and they're bringing it to me, I could care less what they're dressed in or how, or how the vehicle looks. Where's the message? It is a message that is valuable, not the color of the skin of the person, not how they're dressed, not their age, uh, not what race uh, they're a part of. It's the message that is valuable. So that's a word for somebody. Don't trip up on the packaging of, of the representative, of the messenger, of the angel. Don't trip out about that. Don't trip on that. Just consider the message that they bring. If it's from God, then receive the word from the Lord. Hallelujah. And by the same token, when you have a message for somebody, I don't care if they're wearing a $5,000 suit, driving up in some big fancy car, living in some big fancy house, God says, give them the message, then give them the message. You don't know what trials and tribulations they're currently facing. You think that they all got it all together, but you don't know what's going on behind the scenes, behind closed doors. They need a word from God. So don't be prejudiced. Don't prejudge the individual. You be a good messenger, good representative. You be a good angel and deliver the message that God has for them. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Hallelujah. So don't get tripped up with that. Now, I want to show you something as well. Let's go back now to uh, Psalm 91 again in verse number 12. Psalm 91 in verse number 12. And it says again, they shall bear thee up in their hands, lest thou dash thy foot against a stone. Now, we could almost stop here today and pick up next time, but we won't. We're going to go a little bit further today. So uh, I pray. Now, of course, this is in video form. Uh, you can always pause it if you have to and go to the restroom and come back. So I'm going to continue to go on. Amen. Because you need to hear this entire word today. So, Again, in Acts, the 26th chapter, in verse 14, I want to show you something of how the word of God, the, the Bible says again in number, not numbers, but in Psalm 91, verse 12, let me read that one more time. It says, they shall bear thee up in their hands. All right, we've talked about that. The next part of this I want you to see, it says, least thou dash thy foot against a stone. Now, both of these work together. And here is the message that I am meant to give you today. Because unless you are lifted up, you're going to continue to dash or strike your foot against a stone. And that's bad. Because this stone, as we'll see today, talks about Jesus. It talks about the word of God. It talks about the will of God for your life. It talks about us striking striking the will of God with our lives, kicking against the will of God for our lives, kicking, kicking against the word of God for our lives. And before you say, well, I, I don't do that, you need to hold on for a few minutes and let me reveal this to you because you're tripping. I'll tell you that right now. You've been tripping for quite a while. But here's a word of elevation that will take you over that so that you won't continue to trip. So be patient with me and let me give you the rest of this word. So you'll find evidence of this tripping also. And this is a beautiful picture here in Acts, the 26th chapter, verse 14. Acts 26, verse 14. 
And it says, as it talks about uh, Saul's conversion, the Bible says here, and when, and when uh, we were all fallen to the earth, I heard a voice speaking unto me and saying in the Hebrew tongue, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. It's hard for you to kick against the pricks. Now, the prick, of course, was a what was a long instrument uh, with a sharp point on the, on the end of it that maybe a herdsman or or someone plowing the field would use and they would prod the animals to go in a certain direction. If they were plowing and, and there were two oxen uh, in front of them, uh, they would prod the animal to go this way or that way. So it was a sharp instrument. And sometimes the animal did not want to follow the instruction or the leading of the plowman. So they would kick against it they would they would kick against it and Jesus told him Jesus told Saul it's hard to kick against the prick it's hard because when you kick against that pointed that pointed stick uh, it's only going to bring pain to you it's only going to be painful to you when you kick against it and that stick really is the will of God for your life Jesus is saying, you're not hurting me, you're hurting yourself by not following my instruction for your life. You're kicking against it. You are striking against my will for your life. And I love the way the, uh, the New Living Translation brings it out so beautifully. I want you to hear this. He says it again in Acts 26, verse 14. It says, we all fell down and I heard a voice saying to me in Aramaic, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? It is useless for you to fight against my will. And that's what's happening when we are dashing our foot against a stone. That stone is Christ. That stone is the will of God. That stone is the word of God. In many areas in our lives, we're kicking against the will of God. We're kicking against his word. We're kicking against Christ. And one moment we say, Lord, we serve you. We love you. We adore you. We want to follow you, all of your instruction. But in the next moment, we're kicking against it. We're striking our foot against the stone. We're striking our foot against Christ, against the will of God for our lives. Now, again, that stone there, as it's written in uh, Psalm 91, verse 12, talks about Christ. Jesus is the stone. He is the stone. Now, if we did a little bit, uh, just a little bit of uh, research for the first mention, the, using the law of first mention as it talks about a stone, you'll find out that uh, the word stone talks about foundation. And that foundation, of course, is Christ. What the Lord say there in um, Matthew 16, 18, he says, upon this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Well, that rock is the foundational knowledge of who Jesus is, the revelational knowledge about Christ. Christ is the foundation. And if we go back uh, to where the first mention of the word stone is in the Bible, we'll find it there in Genesis, the second chapter. We'll take a moment to look at this one. Genesis, the second chapter, verse number 12. It says, and the gold of that place is good. Talking about the Garden of Eden and the surrounding areas. And the gold of that place, rather, and the gold of that land is good. There is uh, delium there. Or rather, there is delium and the onyx stone. The onyx stone. So the first mention of stone in the Bible has to do with the onyx. Now, the onyx stone has definitely to do with foundation. All It's all about Jesus, and it's all about you. Because the onyx stone is what the high priest would use uh, in his ephod, in, as he was wearing the ephod. Now, in his ephod, you'll find it was like a, a vest that he would put, put on that uh, that distinguished him to, from the other priests as being the high priest along with other uh, priestly um, attire or, or accoutrements that he was wearing. Now, the onyx stone was what he carried on his shoulder, what he wore on his shoulders. Uh, there were two stones, one on the left shoulder and one on the right shoulder. 
and engraved in these onyx stones were the names of the tribes of Israel. So on the high priest's shoulders, he carried the names of the tribes of Israel, symbolic of how Jesus would carry you on his shoulders. Hallelujah. Now you and I are on the shoulders of Christ. And what does that mean? Jesus is our foundation. He carries the weight of us on his shoulders. Glory to God. Because that high priest in the Old Testament was a foreshadowing of Christ, what Christ would do for us today. Now, the onyx stone, along with other precious stones, were also on the high priest's uh, breastplate. The high priest would carry the names of the children of Israel, the name of the tribes of the children of Israel, on his breastplate. That would always let us know that we would always be on Jesus' heart. Hallelujah. You see what well, you say, well, I'm not Jewish, and, and, and so I'm not in that. Yes, you are, because understand, Jesus is from the tribe of Judah, and we were engrafted and are engrafted into the family of God in Christ. So, Judah, that's us right there. Hallelujah. That's the Gentile. We're on the Lord's. He's carrying our weight on his shoulders, and he's, uh, we're also always on his heart. Glory to God. That talks about foundation. Jesus is our foundation. Our weight rests on his shoulders, and the weight of our problems, our emotional state, mental state, the battles we go through, don't you understand that, that we're always resting on his heart? He's always concerned about us. Hallelujah. And he's forever making intercession for you and I before the Father. Glory to God. So you're always, always on his shoulders. He's always carrying you on his shoulders, and you're always on his heart. Hallelujah. Oh, that's so powerful. For more on that, you could always go back to Exodus, the 28th chapter, and it'll tell you more about what the, uh, what the high priest wore. Glory to God. So Jesus is our foundation. He is the foundational stone. Now, if we look in Psalm, Psalm 118, if we look in Psalm 118, just a few chapters over uh, from Psalm 91, we'll see specifically what this stone is. Psalm 118, verse 22 and 23. And it says, the stone that the builders rejected has now become the cornerstone. This is the Lord's doing, and it is wonderful to see. The stone is what the builders rejected. The children of Israel rejected Christ on the most part. Not all, not all the Jews rejected Christ, but many, especially the religious leaders, rejected Christ. They rejected him, but God made him the head of the corner. The cornerstone gave him the position of honor. Now that same verse is picked up in the New Testament. Uh, confirming once again that Jesus is the stone uh, mentioned here in Psalm 91. Now let's look at it in 1 Peter the second chapter, 1 Peter the second chapter, uh, verses 4 through 9. I'm going to read it because I, I need you to capture this entire moment to get this entire word. So it says, you are coming to Christ, who is the living cornerstone of God's temple. He was rejected by people but he was chosen by God for great honor. And you are living stones that God is building into a spiritual temple. What's more, you are his holy priests. Through the mediation of Jesus Christ, you offer spiritual sacrifices that please God. As the scripture says, get ready, I am placing a cornerstone in Jerusalem, chosen for great honor. And anyone who trusts in him will never be disgraced. Yes, you who trust him recognize the honor God has given him. But for those who reject him, the stone that the builders rejected has now become the cornerstone. Do you see that? Verse 8 says, and he is the stone that makes people stumble. Do you see that? And he is the stone that makes people stumble. The rock that makes them fail. The rock that, the rock that makes them fall. They stumble because they do not obey God's word. And so they meet the fate that was planned for them. Again, Jesus is the stone of Psalm 91. 
He is the stone of Psalm 91. He is the stone, and that stone is Christ. Again, that stone is the word of God. That stone is the will of God. And as you would see in the context there of 1 Peter, they were stumbling because they did not want to make Jesus Lord over their lives. They wanted to regain control over their, over their own lives. They wanted to do things the way they wanted to do it. And that's why we buck against Jesus. That's why we kick against the prick. That's why we keep tripping because we want to do things our way and not do it his way. We still think that we know what is best for us and we kick against and we kick against and, and we keep striking our foot against the stone let's go back to psalm 91 uh, as we close out here and go to verse number 12 and it says they shall bear thee up in their hands here's the ministry of the angels here's the ministry my ministry as a messenger to you today they shall bear thee up in their hands uh, and remember hands meaning power and the power of a messenger is in the message they shall bear thee up in their hands lest thou dash thy foot against a stone so jesus does not want you to keep tripping, tripping over his word, tripping over his will for your lives. So he will send you a message by way of his angels, his messengers, his representatives, because listen, God is requiring something higher from you. He's requiring something deeper from you. Every time, I mean, every time there is a, a new experience, God wants to take you into a deeper place with him, a better place with him. He wants you to stop struggling and striving in life and hating on other people and even hating yourselves. So he gives you a word. He sends you a, a message. And this message is, is in this message, if you hear it and obey it, will cause you to be lifted up so that you will no longer strike your foot against a stone so that you will no longer kick against the prick kick against God's word for your life he's elevating your thinking he's elevating your mind elevating you uh, mentally he's elevating you spiritually he's giving wings to you right he he's making you higher so that you won't go into those same traps over and over and over again because listen honestly we are tripping we are tripping in our lives. We've heard the word of God preached, but we still keep stumbling. We keep stumbling and we're stumbling. Many of us are stumbling. Now, if, if one of us stumbles, we all stumble. We understand that, right? And because many of us are stumbling by our tongue. We are rude, we are crude, we are harsh, we are abrasive, we are argumentative, we gossip, and my God, uh, we constantly complain. You'll be amazed how much negative stuff actually comes out of your mouth on a daily basis. If you would take a pad and a pen and mark down every time you said something negative against something or against somebody, man, you would need a new pen or pencil after a while. We are constantly negative and we're tripping. Don't you understand that you are God's representatives and, and, and uh, salt water cannot come out of the same place as fresh water. Blessings and cursing should not come from the same place. We're tripping in our speaking. We're tripping in sexual sin. Yes, adultery is still wrong. Yes, sex before marriage is still wrong. No matter what the culture says, it's still wrong. Um, uh, gambling is, is still wrong. Lying and cheating. And listen, doubting is still wrong. Uh, being fearful, being full of worry is still wrong. We're tripping. We're tripping. We are tripping, man. We're tripping. And it's time for us to receive the word of God, to seek the Lord for a word of elevation so we can stop all this tripping. Hallelujah. Are you hearing? We got to stop all this tripping. And I'll tell you why in just a moment. But, you know, hearing it, and I'm not, just, I'm not just saying this to you. The Lord had to deal with me first of all. Glory to God. Because many times, can I just be honest with you, it's still tell, I guess it's tell on Pastor Day. Many times after giving the word of God here, I wondered, Lord, did the people hear the instruction? And many times I would be discouraged and, 
and I would I would really be upset and really tell the truth. I was worrying. Lord, did I say things right? Did I did I spend enough time in your word? Did I say this and that? I kept tripping. I kept tripping. I kept tripping. I kept tripping. So what did God do? He sent me a word of elevation and glory to God. What word was that? Isaiah 55 and 11. I keep hearing it ringing in my heart. And the Bible, the Bible declares there, it says, the Lord says, so shall my word be that goeth forth from my mouth. It shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please, and it shall prosper in the thing whereto I sent it. The Lord let me know, son, don't worry about it. Once the word goes out, it's going to strike the target, and wherever I'm sending it, it's going to prosper in it. So you just proclaim the word of God. And once I heard that, once I heard that, it uplifted me. And now that's the rock that I hold on to every time I, I give the word and today and even now I'm holding on to that word that father your word will not return unto you void but it shall accomplish that so I don't have to worry about that anymore hallelujah but I was tripping and many of you have been tripping emotionally and, and financially still tripping over not forgiving people when you know what God says tripping over the tithe or tripping over the offering just tripping and God says, listen, it's time out for that. We don't need to be tripping anymore. That's why he sends a word of elevation. And I'm telling you, this is what you need to do. Seek God for a word. Seek him for a message in the area where you are tripping. And one of the, one of the chief areas where we are tripping as we speak negatively, we're speaking negatively about ourselves, doubtful about ourselves. We're looking at us and not at him, which was the sin of Israel. That's why they could not cross over into the promised land land because they considered themselves uh, they considered themselves to be grasshoppers and the enemy as so much greater don't consider yourself but consider God hallelujah consider that he is greater in you the greater one lives on the inside of you you are well able to overcome this adversary you're well able to overcome this enemy whatever has been causing you to trip whatever it is that's causing you to trip uh, emotionally and spiritually spiritually and financially and relationally in every area of your life God is well able all you need is a word from the Lord hallelujah just one word can change the entire trajectory of your life so let me tell you my friends don't keep tripping why are you tripping you're tripping because you haven't heard a word from the Lord glory to God hallelujah don't care. Listen, don't worry about how the postman is dressed. You're concerned about the word that he carries. Hallelujah. The word that he carries. I don't care about his age. God can use someone that is 10 or God can use someone that is a, that is 70, whatever the age is. I don't, the, the post person bless them. Great people. We love them, but it is the message that they carry that we're clinging for, that we're, that, that we're craving for rather that we're leaning on and, and relying on. Hallelujah. So let's not trip. Now, let me tell you why God is saying this. Let me tell you why as we close in the last few moments. My God, we've been th we've, we've we've really gone today. Let me tell you why this is so important, because if you look now at Psalm 91, verse 13, Psalm 91, verse th 13, and we're going to stop here for today. Psalm 91, 13 tells you why it's important for us to stop tripping. Why it's important for us to hear the message that the angels will use to uphold us, to lift us up, and for us to stop dashing our foot against a stone. Here's why. Because in verse 13 it says, Thou shalt tread upon the lion and adder. The young lion and dragon shalt thou trample under feet. Now, if you look at that word tread, the word tread means to march forth. God said you're going to march forth in just a little while. Just a little while, you'll come out of your comfortable homes. In just a little while, you'll come out of your quote-unquote safe place. And God's going to use you to trample over. The word trample there means really to crush 
to march on, to walk on abusively. We're going to be marching out against the adversary. And the Lord talked about that also in, in the book of Luke. He said that you're going to tread upon serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall by enemies hurt you. So in just a little while, we got to march out. We got to march forth. But how can you defeat an enemy when you look like the enemy? How can you come against the devil when you're not fully submitted to God? So the Lord allows the ministry of the angels, allows the ministry of the messengers to detox you, to get that out of your life. Because when the prince of this world comes, when the devil comes, he doesn't need to have anything in you. If he has something in you that he can use over you, he will. He'll be abusive. Listen, the devil is not going to fight fair. He's not going to play with you either. So God says, before we go out, and listen, we will go out. We will march forth as an army. We'll leave this Egypt land, and we'll go out into the wilderness, going forth into our promised land. And as we march forth, as we march out, we're going to encounter uh, lions and adders, that is, uh, young lions and even dragons, those things that are those things that are intimidating and those things that are those things that are fearful we're going to encounter authorities of the adversary and we're going to encounter his deceptions and God said unless you got your act together unless you allow my word to have place in you what the enemy will throw against you will prevail and you'll fall and you'll fall and you're not meant to fall you're meant to be above the enemy and crush the head of your enemy and march forth with great power and great authority so he gives you this word he says why are you tripping receive my word receive my message listen child of God seek the Lord for a message seek the Lord for a word in the area where you are tripping in the area where you're always falling seek the Lord for a word those of you that are still watching now hear me seek the Lord for a word and once you get a word, he, that word will uplift you. No matter what the source is, it's coming from God. Once you get your mail, your package from the Lord through the messenger, hallelujah, he can give it to you directly. That's fine too. Or he could use someone to give it to you. That's fine too. But you need the message because that message will uplift you. And then when the occasion comes again to stumble, you won't stumble. You won't dash your foot against the stone. You won't kick against the prick because you'll be higher, elevated to a higher place, higher above that thing, and you'll cease to trip. Glory to God, you'll cease to trip because we're going to have to go out and face our adversary once again. And this time, you will be successful. This time, you hear me, this time, you will be successful and you will be the person that God has called you to be. Finally, finally, finally elevated to the place where you should be. Well, I hope that you got something out of that word today, and I believe by the word of God that you have, and I'm grateful that you're in a place to rejoice. Now, let me go ahead and pray over you as we close out service today. Father, we thank you in Jesus' name for the message that you have given us, the body of Christ. And Father, I thank you that your word will not return into your void, but it is accomplishing that thing that you please. And I thank you, Lord, that that word is now prospering, prospering in the thing where you sent it. So, Father, I thank you for those words of elevation, those words of uplifting, those messages that you are sending your people. And I thank you for those messages that you are sending through your people to this world who desperately needs to hear your voice. We give you praise today, and we love you. In Jesus' name, amen. And if my, friend, if you, my friend, if you've never received the Lord Jesus Christ as the Lord and Savior of your life, well, now is a great time to do it because only he has the power to uplift you over those stumbling blocks in your own life. So there's no magical prayer. There's no big formula. All you have to do is just believe. So I can lead you in this simple prayer. You can say this or something simple or something similar to it and invite the Lord into your heart. 
let's go, let's go ahead and do it this way. And just repeat after me and just say, Father, I come to you as a sinner in need of a Savior. I admit that I have sinned, that I have fallen short of your glory. And I believe in Jesus, that he rose from the grave and that he lives forevermore. Lord Jesus, come into my heart, live in me, make me yours, and I'll serve you all the days of my life as you show me how. Now fill me with your Holy Spirit. I turn from this world and I turn to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, my friends, if you just prayed that prayer with me or something like that, I believe that you are a part of the family of God. And the Holy Spirit himself will give you witness, will give you witness that you are a child of God. And I, I welcome you to the family of God. Glory to God. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you.